Hello and welcome. This is the Future Family Podcast. I'm Blake. I'm Tanner. And I'm Cody. And this week, we are not sponsored by pregnancy tests. Pregnancy tests. If you have two stripes, it means you have twins. If you only have one stripe, it means you're just going to have one baby. I don't know what it means when you're not pregnant. All right, everybody, we are taking a one-episode break from our denomination series to address something that seems to have been trendy and caused a lot of people to leave their denomination or faith entirely. It's this concept that you probably have heard of known as deconstruction. So as you probably know, we are not experts on this like pretty much everything we talk about except contemporary Christian music. But we wanted to give you an idea about what deconstruction is and how to address it. So deconstruction, um, like I said, you may have heard of it, you may not have. And it's been kind of this trend, this um, kind of movement, if you will, over the last decade, decade and a half. And there's an article we'll probably put in the show notes that um, a quote from it says, academics have dubbed it, uh, dubbed this kind of concept theological deconstruction. But in simple terms, they're referring to what happens when a person asks questions that lead to the careful dismantling of their previous beliefs. Kind of a layman's terms, kind of what at least I see people do, whether on my social media feed or through Christian influencers, is really like the word um, kind of points out deconstructing aspects of their faith, kind of evaluating it, seeing what's um, good, what's best for them. Oftentimes it even is what's comfortable um and then going from that whether that be right or wrong but it's just this concept again of just taking and kind of almost to bare bones your faith your doctrine what you believe evaluating it and going forward now um there is much like blake's comments on non-denom history there is not really a set history of deconstruction um in john mark comer's uh, and mark sayer's podcast this cultural moment Season three, the first episode, they kind of addressed this. And Mark Sayers mentions that he was kind of a part of this group, this kind of movement about 20 years ago that was starting to deconstruct church life. So think like asking questions like, why are we meeting just one hour a week uh, on Sunday as an assembly, as a community? You know, why do we do worship this way? So more tame and not really... um you know, faith shattering questions, more like what can we do to, you know, accept former tradition as well as move forward um, to, you know, the better of our community. And from that, it kind of evolved through a few members as well as a few bandwagon members to deconstructing church, then deconstructing faith and doctrine. And so, like I said, over the last decade and a half, it's become more of this trend to, uh, in some ways, to kind of lean into the doubts that we have and have really almost a term and uh, a way to go about handling those doubts. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a broad generic um, 
definition for it. But nonetheless, we want to go and kind of talk in depth, um, kind of maybe our experience, our thoughts on the matter. First question uh, for you guys, have you gone through deconstruction or at least seen it in other people's lives? Um, so, yeah, I uh, have never exactly defined that uh, in my own life. Um, but I do think I've had experiences that relate to what deconstruction is. And it was just happening um, subconsciously or it was happening without me actually knowing it was deconstruction. Uh, I give the example of I grew up in a small church and um, I've given the story a lot. If you've listened to the podcast, but there were things that we did that I thought were great. But there were also a lot of things that I picked up on that I did not enjoy so much. Or I was like, why do we do things this way? Um, and it was my experience. And once I got into college, I was like, well, let me. I want to find out like what scripture says about that. I want to find out, I mean, how is church supposed to be run? Um, I don't know. There are different things like that. Um, I was trying to think of specific examples, um, but none specifically came to mind other than like basically how church is run in general, like uh, what a Sunday service looks like. Um, And obviously there are a lot of things that go around that, but that was one of the, I guess easy examples that came to mind. So to answer the question, I have processed uh, deconstruction, but I haven't walked necessarily close to someone who has openly done that. Who's, you know, Hey, I'm going on this, or I don't know how that happens either. Um, I don't know if you post on social media, like before you take a social media fast, Uh, (laughs) I don't know how that does, but uh, yeah, so that's my. Yeah. Same here. I think uh, like Blake said, it's, it's something that I think probably most of us Christians, I feel like especially most of us Christians in our like mid twenties to thirties have probably gone through, but have never just like had the the term for it per se. Um, new Christians coming up probably kind of with this term have the availability to say something like I'm going through like an intentional, I don't know, season of deconstruction or something. I don't know if you actually use it as an intentional season. Um, We'll talk about this later in the next question, but uh, throughout my life, it's probably just been kind of progressive deconstruction of just various things that I, um, I've i like held on to. Uh, this was called out a lot, actually, in the article that Tanner was talking about, but the idea is, and this is something Richard Rohr was speaking to, uh, was you have kind of three stages. Your first stage is that you kind of just accept accept something because it's what you were handed down. Um, And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but then when you start to question it, you kind of move into a stage of a little bit of discord. And then after that, you then rebuild and form uh, faith opinions of your own. In my experience, um, I went through that process for several different things. A lot of y'all know I was kind of raised in like a little bit of uh, like reformed um, mindset, theology, tradition, So uh, I went through what I would classify as a deconstruction phase on stuff like Calvinism, on stuff like uh, complementarianism, a lot of just different isms uh, that are really like, you know, controversial. And uh, what ended up happening was I would, you know, start to read um, thoughts and talk to some people who were on other sides of the issue. And when I went through the kind of reconstruction phase, what I what ended up happening with me was. 
I still landed in the same convictions that I did uh, before going through that deconstruction process, but I now had a uh, more of a nuanced view of them and a more gracious attitude toward those who did not think uh, the same way. So that's kind of been my deconstruction reconstruction story. I can get more specifically into that as we go in the episode, but yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I, I guess I would say for myself, I kind of leaned into it more um, than I, it seems like both of you back in around, like around 2016, 2017. And it was more kind of the culmination of just meeting new people um, going to at least visit different churches and just coming across through conversation, through, um, you know, like small group or Bible study, different theologies and isms and things like that. And it, because it was somewhat of a trend and there were individuals that I at least looked up to and admired that had mentioned deconstruction. I think at the time I would have labeled it, though I wouldn't have posted, you know, on social media, like you mentioned Blake and things like that, because um, it wasn't like I was dismantling anything. It was more as I will get into the next question, um, more of kind of taking something specific out of my faith, looking at it, evaluating it and either kind of slightly shifting it and putting it back or just putting it back as was um, with with just a better understanding of what it was. Um, But there was a lot of just questions that came up um and a lot of it was kind of surrounded with like what uh what was given to me or taught to me as a child um just growing up in the church and just starting to ask the question for myself you know how much of this do i actually believe and how much of this was just told to me that you do believe this and so it wasn't as much of a deconstruction phase but it was very much leaning into that kind of self-evaluation and like I said we'll get into a little more of the next question so the next question really is this kind of concept is this how we should go about our faith kind of specifically with the doubts that we may have or things that may be you know air quotes problematic you know the more I have thought about deconstruction the more I have thought that this, our relationship ever since we all became close friends and have had deep conversations and why we started the podcast, I'm like, I'm, I'm almost on a long process of deconstruction and then like reconstruction. Because every time we have a topic that is uncomfortable for me to talk about or is different or I've never thought about that, it makes me look at what I have perceived or what I have believed and then makes me kind of take a step back and think, okay, why? Do I believe that? And then, okay, like, let me build this back. And and both of you help me almost form uh, a thought or at least add to the conversation of like, okay, well, uh, I mean, here's a different point of view maybe for some, for some things. But I think, um, and this is maybe a very basic answer, but a scripture that came to mind when relating deconstruction and and should it be a part of our faith or how we go about faith was uh, the verse in second Corinthians. You probably heard it um, going from glory to glory, um, but it's second Corinthians three eighteen. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him 
as we are changed into his glorious image. So I was almost thinking of deconstruction. And I think you mentioned this, Tanner, but also like partnered with reconstruction, like deconstruction is not beneficial at all if it's not also paired with a reconstruction. Um, So you don't just deconstruct your faith just to do it or just to get away from whatever it is. But um, that scripture came to mind mainly because I almost think maybe even kind of how I was uh, unaware of deconstruction. It's like we all somewhat do that in a sense, um, but it's almost we all need to do that because we're growing and we have bias or we have things that we were raised in and, and certain beliefs that we have had for a long time that we've never really questioned or we've never really even thought about. Um, and the the whole like closed handed and open handed issues that we used to talk about also came to mind. It's like we deconstruct to the bare bones, which are the closed handed and we like come back on a bunch of these open handed issues. But that was, those are my thoughts related to, mm-hmm. I think we should um, use deconstruction in our faith. Yeah. Thank you, Blake. I, I like, I like what you said about um, like having a diverse community of, of people and how that kind of encourages deconstruction. Cause not even using the term like deconstruction, but just thinking about asking genuine questions about like why you believe what you believe. I think and I was thinking about this as we were getting ready for this episode. I think if you want to, you can make yourself an environment where you never have to ask the question of why do I believe what I believe? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, unless like just a tragic life circumstance comes comes into your life and starts to make you question, which this article talked a lot about how a lot of um, deconstructionism originated from people going through like very difficult times in their lives. But like, man, I think you can stay in that very comfortable sphere of just believing something because it was handed down to you by just like surrounding yourselves with only people who believe the same way as you on different open-handed issues. Um, Or like, I only read sources from, you know, this type of website or this type of blog, or these are the only voices I expose myself to. Um, I think one thing we always want to encourage in this podcast particularly is to surround yourself with people and voices that differ from your own. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that your beliefs on certain things will be changed. Uh, but it does often mean that like you could have more nuance introduced into your life. Um, and even your beliefs on certain things could be, uh, become stronger just by merits of talking about them. So that's my side tangent there. Yeah. I was wondering too, kind of with, like I keep calling it a trend or a movement. It seems kind of with the, I think it kind of parallels or, um, Oh, I forgot the, what's the scientific or mathematical word for when two graphs parallel, but it starts with a C, uh, two graphs. No, if they, they can, something doesn't, me causation. It's, this is math one hundred and one. Correlation is that right? Correlation. Correl- yeah. Now I lost my train of thought. No, with with the culture, uh, like I don't know if, if deconstruction, um, kind of the uptick in how many people do it correlates with the culture uh, or diet culture, but it seems like within the last 
two decades, people have just jumped on quick trends for diets, you know, keto and uh, a bunch of other ones that I don't want to list. But paleo. this <laughs> paleo, this kind of just jump, you know, headfirst into this, dismantle everything that you believe, and then just kind of pick up the pieces and run from it. Um, where I think, you know, with the last 2000 plus years of church history, there's been something that's pretty much similar. And I would argue better than deconstruction where we just, you know, evaluate one, you know, piece by piece as we go through sanctification, as we go through discipleship, things like that, what we believe. Um, I remember hearing Judith Smith years ago mentioned in a sermon that something along the lines of, if your mind hasn't been changed on different matters of whether it be biblical theology or on right. God or things like that, if it hasn't changed in the last few years, you might need to reevaluate if you're being discipled, if you are going through sanctification, because that means that apparently the the version of you three years ago that something changed and that was it is now the ultimate authority on God. Um, so I think like, one of the notes I've kind of stole it from you, Cody, that you have in our notes, but it goes along with sanctification and discipleship that we learn more about ourselves, but of course learn more about God. And I think that's again, a better way than deconstruction where, and Paul talks about, um, you know, this being more with sin, but um, you know, taking off and putting on, I think we do the same thing with certain beliefs. We take off if it's something that is, you know, heretical or just not lining up with scripture would take it off and put something that is biblical back on. You don't have to tear everything down to the bare bones to do that. Um, and then kind of transitioning into our last question of um, what are some ways to deconstruct biblically or just do something similar, like I just mentioned, um, that we may be able to help future generations. One of the verses that came to mind for this episode was uh, Philippians 2, 12, where uh, it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Um, that phrase, fear and trembling, has been kind of on my mind over the last year and a half. It was um, I think it was a title of a song by Gang of Youth, and then it's also a, a work by Soren, Soren Kierkegaard, the uh, Danish philosopher. I think he's Danish. I don't know. Dead guy who was a philosopher. Uh, just the concept of, like, I think taking our faith, taking our salvation, and observing it and working through it with fear and trembling means not just going about it and being like, all right, well, I accept it. And, you know, what works, it works. Uh, I'll jump on this theology bandwagon, jump over here, whatever. But, like, knowing that there's going to be pain and struggle. Um, the day we're recording this, Relevant magazine, a Relevant podcast released an episode where they talked to Chad Gardner of King's Kaleidoscope, um, and they mentioned deconstruction, and they talk about it. And Chad's um, kind of take on it is he didn't want to knock deconstruction, but he doesn't want to really – say it's for the best um, for him. He says um, the, the most that he's learned more about God or things about God or his thoughts or theology has changed has been through great times of suffering or, you know, tragedy, things like that in his life where he ran to scripture and ran to prayer. He didn't run to podcasts or books about, 
you know, losing your faith or things like that, you ran to God. And so that's uh, kind of my answer for this last question of how can we help future generations is, um, you know, work out your, your faith and your salvation through fear and trembling. John Mark, as you mentioned, Blake, John Mark Comer's um, quote on deconstruction is, you know, the only good deconstruction really is one that has reconstruction of something better, or at least I would add to that, or at least the same, because perhaps you have a great faith tradition um, that you grew up in. And if you deconstruct it and reconstruct it to something that's great again, then it should look very similar, if not the same. So if you do go through deconstruction, you must go through reconstruction, or as the article mentions, Richard Rohr's quote of um, what is it? Cody order. Yeah. Disorder said, reorder. I right. Think he his. also said, I, I don't know if this was roar, but uh, what did he say? I'm looking for it. Da, 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 it was really good. Oh yeah. He said, it might look cool to be a wandering spiritual nomad forever, but I don't think that gets you anywhere. Wise man. Wise man. What do y'all think? Um, any, helpful tips for future generations or friends that may be struggling with doubts or uh, things like this? Yeah, I think, I mean, doubt is healthy. I think Um, Andy Minio has a song called Clarity and uh, his, one of the lines in it is uh, the opposite of faith ain't doubt. It's when you got it all figured out. Um, It, he pulls that from a video of uh, some lady who's just talking about how suffering brings us close to God. And like, if you haven't doubted, then you maybe don't know God or something. I don't know. There, there were some large statements that she was making, but he, he pulled the point of uh, if we have it all figured out, then we don't need faith. Um, like we wouldn't need faith in God, which is what our lives are built on. Um, but so he, he really the point of like i mean doubt is healthy to an extent because it makes you search it makes you uh, long for something more um so i was like well that's good um but deconstruction and going back to what you said about uh chad from king's kaleidoscope like their latest album was called zeal and i feel like i remember him talking about how he feels like christians especially in these kind of circles were so like uh gray and like distant and like oh, I'm finding all these holes and all these people I follow or, you know, crumbling and, and uh, my faith is just really falling. And, and I don't know, it's just a, a bunch of different things like one after the other. And it's just almost painted a bleak p- picture of Christianity um, and like apathy and all this, all these different things. And so he was like trying to find the opposite of that. What was, you know, what, brings what's the joy of my salvation. And so he had the word zeal um, that kind of drip drove that album, but that made me think about, okay, well, what does that look like for me? Um, And I don't know if the Enneagram kind of comes into this, but I'm a nine and I'm very, I don't know. I just feel like I'm happy go lucky. I like to make everybody happy. You know, feel like be that person in the middle. Um, and so I was thinking about deconstruction just in my mind. Uh, the At least the picture I have of it seems like bad in a sense, or it's like, uh, don't go there. Like that seems like a bad area to be. Um, but the more I was preparing for this podcast, I was like, I feel like it's, there's, there's good, there's good in it. Um, 
but only if it's rooted in like what we said, there needs to be a reconstruction after. Um, but I found a quote. Um, the podcast was called Reconstruct. I don't know if y'all have heard of, of it, but I recently stumbled across it. And uh, their like premise was if you deconstruct, um, if you don't, what, what, what comes afterwards, kind of like Tanner was saying, if, it, if you don't at least are not there to where you were before or better, um, at loving God and loving others, then that like the whole purpose has been missed almost, but they had three main values with deconstruction that they would always cling or hold tightly to. Um, it was meaningful unity or embracing the whole family of God. So not trying to compete your deconstruction is not saying, okay, I'm going to become smarter than somebody else. Um, just so I'm going to have all the, be able to win an argument pretty much. Like at the end of the day, we're all family, kind of like the future family mentality. It's like, we're all sons and daughters of God. So we're going to keep that family mentality. Um, so meaningful u- unity, critical charity was the next one. So I was talking about like, um, being both open to new ideas or different ideas, but also discerning about those. Um, an example would be uh, like Calvinism. I'm I'm gonna not just throw it under the bus and say, "Oh, this is totally out there." Not not gonna believe anything about this. Um, it's gonna it's my approach of, "Oh, let me like look at this and thoughtfully consider all the points and all the the viewpoints of what what this is." Um, so critical charity and then serious theology. So diving into thoughtful and intellectual engagement and um, looking to scripture, looking um, to leaders who um, have, you know, uh, different thoughts about scripture and how it's interpreted. So, um, but those are, I think those are three like interesting points of if, if you choose or if you want to deconstruct your faith or ever you're at, ever at a breaking point where you know, it's like, ah, I really need to like take some actual steps to do this. Those, I thought those were three really good guidelines. Um, but like I said, in my mind, I thought that was more of a, oh man, don't, don't go into deconstruction. It sounds like a a nasty area or a gray or like a, a dark area, I guess. Um, but I found just in my, even, even in thinking, like I said, answer the first question. It's like, I've actually went through seasons and times in my life where I would, almost deconstruct a, a view I had or a, a belief I had and kind of reconstruct it with, um, with the help of friends, with the help of, uh, community. So. Yeah. I think that, that pretty much ties into my, my pointer for like, if you're going to deconstruct and do it well, I think namely like Tanner was saying, do it in small chunks. Um, you know, if you try to, it's going to be just spiritually taxing. If you try to deconstruct, if you just list like three pages of every facet of God that you believe, and then you're like, I'm going to deconstruct all these in a week. Like, don't do that. That's ridiculous and insane. And you'll probably come out with something wonky. Um, like Blake was talking about. Um, I think that is like a, a fantastic point. I have like a two pronged word of advice on that. So we always need to deconstruct and reconstruct in community for sure. Like we were given the church community to help, uh, guide us. We also need to uh, seek the Spirit's guidance, and we need to use uh, Scripture as well. Um, so all of those things are kind of the foundation on which you need to reconstruct. Blogs and articles and think pieces are all really good ways to get you started, but by no means are they like the end-all, 
building tools that you should use for reconstruction. Um, on that note, if you look in this article that Tanner and I have been alluding to, and I'm sure we'll put it in the uh, the notes, but a lot of the points in that article are uh, people would go through deconstruction processes when they went through major faith and life crises, which makes which makes perfect sense. Um, but also a lot of people would leave big ticket denominations or just their churches in general because they felt like they were unsafe places to ask the questions that they were asking. I think we need to both um, encourage people toward doing deconstruction and reconstruction in community, but we also very much need to encourage those communities to be safe places for people who are asking questions. Um, we need to not just kind of shrug them off with a, well, you should like simply believe this. Um, just because they're asking a hard question that we ourselves may not have asked, we don't need to just shrug it off because we're afraid of delving into that with them. Uh, we need to be a safe place for the people who are questioning. Um, and I'm of the opinion, you know, our faith can handle it for sure. Um there was actually a quote from this article that I wanted to read from that regard. It said, It may not be possible or appropriate for church leaders to endorse many of the theological views that some are adopting, but creating environments where doubt is not a dirty word is surely within our grasp. Hmm. What you guys said, absolutely. And I think to kind of wrap it up with um, our uh, tips for individuals is kind of a quote from Mark Sayers from the podcast. I mentioned this cultural moment where he mentions that he says that you can't reconstruct really basically on your own authority. Um, like you guys mentioned, and I wish I'd have mentioned earlier, uh, going through the deconstruction process in isolation will just leave you uh, high and dry. Like you, I don't think anybody can do it. Um, and I think the church was set up that way that doing it on your own, makes it tougher. Um, but also as Mark goes on to say that we need an ultimate author authority to help us with this reconstruction. If you're going through this process or any kind of process like this sanctification, discipleship, um, and our ultimate authority is Jesus. Um, and it's the word, the scriptures. And so lean heavily on that, on your relationship, on the salvation that Jesus, um, you know, provided and the scriptures, the whole story, God's revelation of himself to us. Um, and yeah, that's deconstruction. Any other thoughts on that before we go to recommendations? I got nothing. All right. That means guys, it is time for recommendations. Who wants to start? I'll start. I am going to recommend a podcast and it's called Culpable. Either of you heard about it? Heard of it? It, it sounds crime? like a true crime podcast. It's true crime, oh! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I have never been interested in true, true crime. I'll just you say that. You did not seem like the type of person. Not, not that type. And still, I'm not that type. But this podcast, well, it also got me into one other podcast. But this podcast has been incredible. Um, and I listened to the entire first season in maybe a week. It was And they're, they're like 14 or – no, there's probably 16 or 17 episodes – um, but it is, I guess the reason it was intriguing because it's kind of local. Um, it takes place in Meridian, Mississippi. Um, it was a true story a couple years ago. 
uh, a guy named Chris, Christian Andriacchio was found dead in his uh, upstairs bathroom of his apartment uh, from a single gunshot wound to the head. Um, they had like a 45 minute investigation. Police ruled it suicide when there were like a lot of questionable things that could have pointed to premeditated murder possibly. Um, but the, I don't know. It's just, and it was released this year and like season one. Yeah, that's it. Season one ended, uh, I think maybe two weeks ago. Um, so it was real. I was, I was right on the edge or the end of season one, but I was, I caught up like literally in a week, but it was just really well done. Um, it was some podcasts and this is by word of mouth. So Jen's a physical therapist actually recommended it to us, but he's very critical. And he was like, uh, people, uh, normally, you know, kind of pick a side whenever they're doing true crime related stuff. Uh, and I agree like this podcast kind of stayed in the middle. Like there are sometimes it would lean a certain way, but it was almost just presenting the facts, but they were also just trying to elevate this case and say, Hey, like there might've been injustice here. So let's try to get to the bottom of it, but it's called culpable C U L P A B L E. Um, and you can listen to it, I guess, anywhere you listen to podcasts, but if you're into true crime, listen to it. If you're not like me, um, you might like it. So. I'm usually not, so I might give it a try and see if if I'm into it. It was it was kind of interesting. I've had like three. You're the fourth person to recommend it. My recommendation this week is um, it is a YouTube channel, and it's probably the weirdest YouTube channel I've watched in a long time. It's called Girlfriend Reviews. And (laughs) have you heard of this, Tanner? Yeah, Joel uh, and Eleanor watch it. It is so hilarious. I like when I'm trying to decide, I've gotten to the point that I'm bougie. And when I'm trying to decide what <laughs> video game. <laughs> when did you realize that? When you? I don't know. Like it just kind of dawned on me just now actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I'm trying to decide which video games to buy, I've become like really selective. Like they have to be like good. Mm-hmm. Um so I'll watch a lot of different review channels and this is a video game review channel, but it's, I love it so much because it is, they, they review the video games, but it's the girlfriend of the guy who plays them reviewing what it's like to live with the guy who, who plays them and to like have to hear this all the time. Um, and they're actually like super in depth and really good, but they are so so funny. Uh, I I highly recommend everyone start on the Stardew Valley review. Um, it's just freaking hilarious. I love these That's people cool. so much. So, yeah, <laughs> Girlfriend Reviews, the YouTube channel. That's it. Perfect. Um, I'm going to recommend something, and this is very niche. There's probably going to be like two people that will do this or want to do this. Um, it is an audio book, which I imagine the physical book, physical copy is just as good. Um, and I'll plan on purchasing it soon. But it is the book Let My People Go Surfing by Yvonne Chouinard, who is uh, the founder of Patagonia. Um, oh, have you guys that listened- guy. Yeah. Have you guys listened I've to listened to his uh, How I Built This episode. Yeah. The, that's yep. where I think... I mean, that's where I found out most about how Patagonia was formed. And I think that led me to finding this book. 
and I've had it on Audible for like a year and a half and just listened to it a week ago. Uh, the first chapter is titled History, and it was like an hour and 40 minutes long. So I imagine the physical copy of the first chapter is like 100 pages. I don't know. Really interesting. Um, gives you like great detail into a little bit of his life in uh, especially in the history section, um, just him growing up and where that, how that led to Patagonia being um, founded. If you remember Cody, the uh, he was just like a mountain climber, um, you know, outdoors guy, and went to he was in Europe, United Kingdom for something, and was buying some more clothes for um, climbing. And there was like a rugby shirt, and he's like that would be perfect for climbing, so he bought that. And then everybody that was climbing, whether it be in Europe or when he got back home, when he'd be wearing it, they're like, oh, where'd you get that shirt? That is awesome. And so he just bought them in bulk and started selling them. And Patagonia was founded. But it also, it does a really good job of um, slightly, you know, trying to influence you into um, conscious consumer, you know, uh, kind of mentality uh patagonia i mean that's a spoiler you may have heard this heard of this before they have kind of this philosophy of don't buy a bunch of their stuff you buy like you know one shirt one pair of shorts or whatever and we're going to make high quality stuff and i think they have pretty sure they still do this they have like a a tour yearly or at least something along this effect of where they have um someone kind of come close to you where you can bring your Patagonia stuff, your clothes or whatever, yeah. and get it repaired. And then if it gets, you know, beyond repair, you know, they ask you to either bring it to them so they can recycle it and use it for something else, or, you know, you use it for something. Nonetheless, it's a really good book for just um, Patagonia history to understand how to do business uh properly the best way to do it as well as just to be a conscious consumer so let my people go surfing guys you can uh reach out to us on social media you know just uh just do it (laughs) just you know where we are you're the same 57 people you know where to find us (laughs) All right, well, um, that's <laughs> another episode. Hey, if you enjoyed this one, then feel free to give us a one, two, or three-star review um, because I am curious as to if it would actually deter people from listening to the episode or if it would give a nice variety of nuance to our review system and if it might actually increase our chances of being discovered in the realm of uh, mass popularity. In fact, if you've already reviewed our podcast, we need you to go ahead and deconstruct your review and reconstruct it. And if it goes only back up to a two, then we're totally okay with that that's okay we accept that we're an open place for doubts and questions anyways subscribe stay up to date and as always keep the conversation going with all that said for cody tanner and myself we are yo future family what's gonna happen with you